Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, we have a very special episode of the A-Game Podcast today. For the third time, we have Mark Turner, who is a number 10 ranked IBJJF black belt competitor in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, as well as a former United States Marine Corps uh, badass dude. He's a business owner. He's an entrepreneur. He's a stock day trader. He's a good guy. And uh, he comes on with a really interesting message today. So he is coming back for the third time, but it's completely different. So this is a very special episode because if you see what he's doing, there's a lot of lessons. If you're not a jujitsu guy, you're not a military guy, uh, even if you're supportive of them, this is something you should probably listen to because you probably know somebody that could benefit from this or that could help contribute to this or that this should be in front of maybe somebody in your life who's former law enforcement, former military, looking for somewhere to put those skills, looking for somewhere to have some sort of sense of purpose, looking to help people and help with a good cause. And he just, he, he discusses in detail how Hurricane Ida came about and him and a couple other jujitsu guys and former uh, military guys on different levels of uh, special operations, special forces, snipers, all kinds of different things, just jumped in a van and just uh, headed down to Louisiana to help with the Hurricane Ida efforts and were blown away by the things that were not there and the things that were not put in place and came back, went back again. You'll hear all the details of the differences between the trips and the stuff that they found and the encounters that they had and the people that they helped and some of the things that you would need to consider, how you even get that going. But again, there's a lot of really good symmetries between life and business for picking up, going after things, taking action, not overthinking it, but still making a calculated decision, weighing out the risks and rewards on specific things. Uh, so this is a really, really big deal. And he's trying to grow his team so that way, if something does happen, God forbid, hurricanes, tornadoes, natural disasters, any sort of crisis, flooding, whatever it may be, and they can't get there or they need more people, that there's teams and people put in place, even on the logistical side, if you know people who are involved in 501c3s or, or some sort of military or rescue efforts or any sort of crisis uh crisis help teams, whatever they may be called, different foundations. If you have connections to guys like the Tim Kennedys of the world, the Jocko Willings of the world, definitely pass this on to people that can be involved in this. And again, he's not just looking for anybody. You'll hear him talk about, he wants people that know what they're doing, people that are mentally and physically trained to be in these situations and able to take on the things on the mental capacity and the physical capacity for uh, the stress and the physical exertion that goes into these different things. And the being able to stay calm, cool, and collected in the face of disaster and chaos and, and desperate people in desperate times. So really a nail-biting episode. He talks you through the whole thing. And at the end, we lighten it up a little bit, talking about our outstanding weekend we had with Mr. Brian Callen. And we discussed who would win in a fight if uh, myself or Mark Turner had to fight Brendan Schaub. So uh, let's uh, find out what the answer to that is at the end. But thank you for listening. Please uh, give this a listen. Please uh, see the show notes to follow Mark on Instagram, follow the BJJ Lab. And uh, big shout out, I'm, sh I'm jumping on a flight to New York right now. So any of my New York people, hit me up. I will be going out to support friend of the podcast and personal friend of mine, Raging Al Iaquinta is out there fighting in his return against Bobby Green at Madison Square Garden. Uh, he's going to have the, the famous corner of Matt Sarah and Ray Longo in his corner there and a whole bunch of Long Island and New York supporters of him. I know Billy Q's on that card too. 
Uh, he's another friend of the Sarah Longo family, so good luck to him as well. And, of course, East Coast Pride Frankie Edgar's on that card. Don't know him personally, but I know he's, again, a friend of Matt and Ray and everybody. So rooting for those guys. Cannot be more proud of Raging Al, whether he goes in and wins or loses. The fact that he's in there putting on a line, making his comeback, always giving it his best, always putting the time and training in to go after what he wants in life, whether it's in real estate, in fighting, exploring the world, chasing his dreams, whatever it is. I mean, that guy is just a guy that you need to respect and take lessons from, regardless of what the outcome is. Fall in love with the process of people just going after and living their best life and put it all on the line, not giving a shit what anybody else thinks about it. So super proud of Raging Al. Obviously, this is coming out before you fight. So win or lose, always got your back. Always proud of you, my dude. Uh, pizzas and everything on me after. And uh, hopefully we can do some real estate together in the near future. But thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Watch UFC this week and support Raging Ally Akinta. And if you want to do some real estate together, reach out to me, nicknicknick.com slash links on all social media. You can message me or hit me up at podcast at nicknicknick.com. If you want to buy real estate from me, sell a real estate to me or find a way to partner up, let's get together and make that happen right away. As we get into this last quarter, I have a few deals right now. If you're interested in getting into some multifamily stuff, uh, mobile home park stuff on a small scale entry-level stuff into the commercial for the residential, definitely reach out to me and let's discuss any and all business options. You could also go to nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets for a free checklist on all the ways you can bring value to your buyers. And of course, last but certainly not least, go to the affiliates page on our website, nicknicknick.com slash links. Again, you can find it and you can find all the ways to get capital from Nationwide Business Capital Group. There's a key on there to connect with Marianne directly and just tell her, hey, I want more competitive rates and terms. I'm already doing deals or I'm just starting out. I don't even know where to start. Where do we start this conversation for me to get somebody to do some deals with Nick? So reach out to her. She'll take great care of you. Tell that you sent us over and put in promo code AGAME under that same affiliate for Naked Warrior Recovery CBD to support a Navy SEAL owned CBD company and get 20% off any and all orders. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Let's do some real estate. Let's get some Mark, Mark, some team members. So definitely reach out to Mark Turner. He is an awesome guy. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Brian Callen, for hanging out with us and making us laugh. And thank everybody. Have a great weekend. All right. My guest today on the A-Game podcast, a three-peat, the first person in A-Game podcast history to come on for the Triple Crown. Once again, Mr. Mark Turner, the owner of the BJJ Lab Naperville, co-founder of 5x5 Submission, real estate guy, finance guy, stock wizard, fierce beard, number 10 ranked IBJJ jiu-jitsu player in the entire world, physically, mentally, black belt all around. Welcome back to the A-Game Podcast, Mr. Mark Turner. First of all, listen, don't listen to his introduction, right? None of, <laughs> none of that is really as cool as it might sound. Um, and now I'm feeling pressure. The, the first person to be back three times, that's, that's pressure. This better be good. <laughs> it's a high bar, man. I think there's, a, there's only been like, I think, two or three guys that were on twice. And you're following up your eye of favors. So you're, uh, you're, oh, you're, wow. in, you're on a good week here. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough act to follow. And, you know, I thought maybe three times you must just be having a slow week. Now I'm feeling all this pressure. So, um, but no, uh, thanks again for, for having me back on, um, you know, these podcasts are great and your podcast is great because you get to see into a lot of these different people and, and what they're doing and aspects of their life and maybe their history and all this. And, and then the podcast ends, but you know, there must be more. Right. And you know that these kind of people that you're having on are, are doing a lot and and you just kind of want to see more of it. This I mean, not that I'm doing anything that's too special, but 
you know, coming back three times, people can get to see a little bit of the more rounded stuff we're doing. I think the first time we came on, we talked mainly about jiu-jitsu. Second time, it was more about the, the stock stuff that was specific to uh, COVID and, and some of the investment strategies there. And this time, yeah, it will be something completely different than that. So, um, yeah, thanks for having me back. Anthony, man, no, you're an onion for sure. Like the more I hear you talk, the more I see like you do all these crazy things. Like you and Brad, I'm always like, what? I didn't know you did that. I didn't know you're into this. So it's cool to have you on and see all these different things. And it's also cool that you started working with some guys that like we introduced you through. Like, like I know you're helping Billy with the stock stuff. Shout out to Billy from Biohazard. And so it's cool that people are taking you up on some of the stuff you're offering on there. And I know um, some of the stuff you were doing on social media, you guys were out there helping with some rescue efforts in, I think, Louisiana, and then you were out in Pennsylvania, and then I think last week you were out in, was it Idaho or Iowa? Yeah, so here, here's what happened. Um, this was back in August, and I was, it was back when the whole um, Afghanistan debacle was happening, and a lot of people that um, worked for either the State Department or the military, the Afghans, were kind of being stranded there. And they were putting out a lot of kind of SOS signals to, to former military members and, and government personnel that they worked for over the last 20 years or whatever, and, and kind of said, look, we need help. You know, this is what's happening. The Taliban's coming, the country's falling, we need help. So um, it was during that time. And uh, I was in, I was contemplating going over with some of those groups to participate in in that um and talk to a couple people and it was kind of the very early stages of me possibly being involved and and i went to virginia beach on the weekend i think it was like the last weekend of august and so i was in virginia beach there with some contacts that i have and, and meeting a friend and um i came back on the sunday and that sunday was when the hurricane hit right hurricane ida hit in louisiana and so i got back early that morning and start watching the you know i just traveled i had a long weekend and was sitting down watching uh, some of the hurricane coverage right i kind of like that stuff when when stuff like that's going on i like to it, you know a hurricane is an incredible thing to 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 follow and watch and all that so i'm watching it and i'm thinking part of me is thinking okay I'm in this mode of thinking how I can maybe go and help people in, in, in one area. And then people obviously now I'm seeing are need help here in, in Louisiana as well. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to do something here. Wheels are kind of turning. The, my first thought was, how do I tell my wife? If I, my wife's pregnant, right? And, uh, and I thought, if I just tell her, look, I'm up and going to Afghanistan, that's going to cause an issue now. My wife won't listen to this, and I'm not saying this because she will listen to it. My wife's actually been quite incredible with me through a couple of different things. When we met, I was doing, I was just kind of finishing up in the military, and I was doing uh, government contracting for a couple of different agencies, and it was very like, you know, something would come up, and I'd have to leave, and, and I didn't know when, I didn't know when I had to leave. I didn't know how long I'd be gone for. I didn't know how long I'd be back for. It was very sporadic. And, and, and she was great with that. Obviously, being a jiu-jitsu guy, you know, I, I traveled all the time. I traveled all over the world with my coach and, and for me competing and all kinds of stuff. So she's usually very, very good if I just tell her, like, hey, something's happening. 
I have to go or something's happening and people are coming here. She's very flexible. But while being pregnant, me going to Afghanistan, not with the military, that was probably going to cause an issue. <laughs> um, not saying that I wouldn't have been able to go, um, but it would have obviously, it's not an ideal situation. So I was sitting and I'm watching the hurricane stuff and I sent a friend of mine a text. Now, you know, you know this person, I'm not going to say this person's name, um, but he's, he's a savage, right? He's a very high level, former special operations guy. I sent him a text and I said, hey, would you be up for going to Louisiana and helping with the hurricane? And he just sent me back one, one word reply. And it just said, okay. <laughs> right? So I, I didn't say when, I didn't say what, I didn't say no details. I just said, would you be up for going and doing this? And he just sends back a one word reply. Okay. So I'm thinking, all right, well, you know, I can't really put that out there, get this kind of reply and then us not do it. Right. So, and this was all before I talked to my wife about it. I start kind of putting some feelers out to put a little team together and, and start thinking about the plan. And, and we kind of said, okay, this was Sunday. We're going to leave on Monday. We need this amount of stuff. You know, we were, we were planned to do, I mean, very capable guys. We were looking at doing, you know, water rescues and, and wellness checks and, and, you know, getting into the, trying to do the stuff that other people won't do or can't do. Right. And um, then I went to my wife and I said, look, here's what's happening. Me and some of the guys are going to go down to Louisiana and help out with the hurricane. And the very first thing she said, she goes, okay. And I said, well, what do you mean? Okay. And she goes, well, I thought you were going to come and tell me you were going to Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then it was like, all right, well, Hey, she's behind the, she's behind the, the hurricane thing. So we'll do this now. Right. Um, so the rest of that night, I mean, this was maybe by, I think it was, I don't know. It might have been by mid afternoon. We had actually decided we're going to do this. Then we, you know, I had to go out. I got us a bunch of supplies and, you know, I can't remember who it was, but it was like, all right, you know, we let's start a GoFundMe because I was just going to finance the whole thing myself. You know, I wasn't going to ask anything of the guys to contribute because I knew some of the stuff that we could end up getting into was going to be, a big enough ask of them as it is not to be like, Hey, can you chip in to help pay for fuel or supplies or, or anything else that we would need down there? And, um, and so we started this GoFundMe and then, you know, I said, that's not a bad idea. I don't like asking people for money. Right. I mean, it's just not, it's just not my way. It's just something I don't, I don't know. Right. Um, I'm not saying it's, wrong to ask people for money especially when you're trying to do something to help other people out but it's just it's never been my nature to ask people for money so i said okay yeah but it's a good idea and and of course the cost started to add up kind of quick when you looked at what we were looking at doing and i said you know what i said we're doing a good thing right and if, if you're doing well and you're doing good for people people like that and people support that and people get behind that and you know, I just kind of thought, I mean, you were one of the people as well. I mean, you shared what we were doing 
you contributed to what we were doing, which was incredible. And if it wasn't, and I told you that, you know, if it wasn't for you and people like you, we wouldn't have been able to do what we did. So, um, yeah, we just kind of all put this little plan together. And we knew we had 15 hours. We wanted to be on the ground like the next day, like right, right when the hurricane had hit. And we knew we had like a 15 hour drive. So we did a lot of planning. We drove straight there, right? We didn't stop. We didn't take any like rest breaks or anything. There was enough of us to kind of, to drive. Um, and as soon as we got there, we kind of hit the ground running. But yeah, we just piled into trucks and on we went. Man, it's so crazy. So a few things to unpack there. One of them being, I think a lot of people just in life in general, look at things and there's stuff that they want to do, whether it's stuff that's better for themselves or stuff that's to go help with some sort of rescue effort. But I feel like you're a doer and an action taker and where most people would probably think, what am I going to do? I can't make a difference. A few of us can't make a big difference. That never even came up. It was just, you know, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to do something. We're going to drive right there. We're going to take action right away. So that mentality, I think, definitely takes you far in life. That's why you have a black belt. That's why you're successful in business. And that's where I think it really comes from an integral place that when you can take that mindset and really push it towards, I'm going to use this now, this drive to go help people in need. And I don't even know what I'm getting into, I think is, is, is a very interesting mindset because a lot of people that I talk to, they have to know every step before they take the step. Whereas it's just kind of like, we're going to figure it out along the way. And the planning and the logistical side of that, of how are we going to get out there? How much money are we going to need? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? Didn't really matter. It was just to have a goal and we'll kind of build the bridge as we go there. So I love that part of it, but how much of it is a stress or what goes into something like that? Like for somebody listening, because again, if it's just one person that something else happens now and they hear this and they go, that's cool. I have a few buddies that are like a tight knit group of jujitsu guys, or like my buddy I was talking to before about the David Prey and those guys, he's got that war room, you know, 30 guys that are all top notch go-getters. They could all be like, man, there's 30 of us. We could team up. We could do these things. So talk me through the process of like you hear there's something going on. What's the logistical process now to actually go take action? What kind of, kind of things do you have to take into consideration? Like, how does that plan come out? Because I wouldn't even know. I think, okay, travel and food, but past that, like, where do you go to even start to think about help? Is there people you reach out to that you know already are on the ground that will tell you, here's where we could use some assistance or here's where we can send you because we got this covered? Like, like map that whole thing out from small to large. So, so yeah, a couple of things there. And then as I explain, what I think you'll see is, you'll see where some of these principles fit in to get those results, right? So first of all, obviously the guys that we're talking about here are, you know, former special operators, very, you know, and, and different military guys that are very, very capable. Um, and, and yes, you do learn that in that kind of job, but you don't have to. It's not like, hey, if you weren't this or that, you, you can't have this mindset we know that we were that we're capable guys we know we can get stuff done so when you have that mindset look i'm not an expert in everything but i know i can get stuff done you start to look for scenarios that you can do right you start looking for scenarios where you can do things and and that is kind of where it all came we didn't have to have I didn't have to ask these guys, hey, are you sure? Hey, what do you think? I didn't have to do that, right? These guys are those guys. The expectation is already there. We know that. And we just kick off and we start the planning. We start the execution, right? 
Um, and yes, you don't have to plan it from start to finish. And, and this is where we get, we get into some stuff. We just got in the car and we headed south. That's it. We didn't know where we were going. We knew we were going based on where the TV was, but we didn't, you know, based on what they were saying on the TV, the New Orleans area, but we had no idea. And we actually got really lucky. And look, before we left, we could have said, well, look, we're going to have to wait. We're going to have to watch the news or we're going to have to make some phone calls, see if we can find an area that needs us. But that's all time now, right? If we wait for that, then we have to step off. We're way behind. So we just headed down there. And what, and so that action, right? Now, what happened was my wife sent me this app and she goes, hey, I, do you guys know where you're going? I said, no. So she sends me this app. We were actually going to go to downtown New Orleans and see. And we'll, and we'll get to that. But um, she sent me this app. And on the app, it was like, I can't even remember the name of it. It was like a distressed kind of thing. So like, if you were stuck in your house or something happened to you and you needed help, you could basically write text into this app. It would create a ticket on the app. And people like us could see your distress call and come and get come and get you, come and help you for whatever it was. Hey, I need food. I need water. I'm trapped in my house. Uh, whatever it was, right? And so we had this app. And again, some of this technology is great. So this app was pretty rudimentary, but what it showed us was we didn't even really use it for those tickets what we used it for was to see the concentration of where bad stuff was happening. So we found this area, it's called Laplace, and uh, I had never heard of it. It's a small little kind of town outside of New Orleans. And um, we just saw a bunch of red flags there, which were basically indications of all these distress calls. And we said, okay, we're going there, right? That's the, that's the, looks like the, the one of the worst places as far as distress calls go. And remember, these are only people that have this app. It's not like, I, I mean, I didn't have this app on my phone. I mean, you, you know what I mean? It was, so I don't know, but we saw this concentration and we headed there. So when we got there, we couldn't even get off the highway. It was, the, the highway was so flooded. I mean, there were semi trucks that were underwater on the, exit ramp and like at the bottom of the exit ramp there was a hotel and the hotel had cars underwater i mean it was all right well we can't go this way now this was we had driven all night to get there basically and um this was the first thing we saw we, we saw some damage we saw some flooding here and there but this you know as we're getting closer but this was us like actually in the in the thickest stuff right uh, we had waited in a gas line, you know, a fuel line to get fuel, but it was nothing compared to when we actually got to this area. We couldn't even get off the highway. And again, we don't know where we're going. So we said, all right, New Orleans is 11 miles away. Let's go there and we'll set up there and we'll make a plan. So we drive to downtown New Orleans and we're right outside the Superdome. And it was dry as a bone in New Orleans. Completely. Now, this hurricane had just devastated the whole area. New Orleans, they had no power, but it was dry as a bone. I mean, there wasn't even a drop of water on the, on the street, right? And so we're like, this is, it was kind of creepy, actually, you know? Um, so much different from, obviously, the Katrina, which was very, you know, right in downtown. They obviously fixed what was going on with the city itself. 
and then we so we stop there we start looking at maps and 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 gps and and some of these tickets and we found if we went way out of the way i think we had to go like 30 miles out of the way 35 miles out of the way we could go around and possibly get into that laplace area from let's just call it the backside. so we did that and we we were able to get in and my goodness it was this was we 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 did it right because we found the worst hit area of the hurricane and i remember when we first got there we stopped at this gas station there was a guy from cbs news there and we connected with him and you know i just told him i said hey what's going on where are you know where's the worst hit place in this area you know who are the people we need to connect with what are some of the things that are happening and so we got a lot of good information from him you know, it was almost like just total intelligence gathering. He was the news guy. He knew everything that was going on. And um, and at this point, we were in like a gas station on the outskirts of town. It was still the town. It was still devastated, but it was like the outskirts. And, um, you know, right away, we had to help get a couple people just crossing the water. Um, and we saw the governor the governor was there and that was the thing they kept the way they do this in these disaster areas the governor went to visit but the governor visited at the outskirts in a in a little area that was kind of underwater basically to get like a good photograph or some good video of him in this you know it, it was like one little housing development that was on the outskirts of town you know because they don't want to take him into the center of the town where everything's getting crazy right um so we saw that and that's how we were able to connect with the news guy because the governor was there. So, and, and from there we started. And then one more thing, as we were pulling in to the town, we saw all these canoes, like these canoes on the side of the road. And um, we were like, stop, right? We're on the expressway, stop. And, and they were in the swamp on the side of the road and, and we didn't have a boat, right? We didn't have anything. And, you know, the place is underwater, right? It's just had a hurricane. So we're like, fantastic. You know, God has just put these four canoes like in our path. <laughs> so we stop and uh, get out. And I see one guy, again, and won't mention names, starts taking his shoes off. So I'm like, all right, he's going to jump in and go get them. I'll grab a rope real quick and tie the rope to him so that he's tethered when he jumps into the swamp. I don't want him washing away or whatever. <laughs> By the time I went to the back of the truck and just grabbed the rope, he was down in his skivvies and in the swamp swimming to go get the canoe. <laughs> right. But, but that—that's what I'm talking about. The kind of and, and there was a guy basically a few miles away that got eaten by an alligator trying to get to his shed in his backyard. <laughs> and we have guys jumping in the swamp swimming to go get a a canoe, and it was it was hilarious. So we 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 got two of the canoes, but realized we could only take one of them uh and and so we had this canoe with us now that we could do some stuff with as well right so you know and we have thought like should we buy a raft we did have a raft that we bought like an inflatable raft but we were like you know should we buy canoes what should we do should we rent a boat should we but again if you if you think about all of that and you you plan to plan right you plan too much you're in the way you're in the way of actual action at that point you know, you, there's ways to figure stuff out. And it's funny that the canoes were like, how the hell did these canoes end up in the swamp? Obviously, a hurricane, a lot of stuff can happen. The, the, it was from a boat tour, a New Orleans like river tour thing. 
and we because we saw the website on the side of the canoe and we looked <laughs> up the 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 actual business that rented these canoes so you could go for a, a little canoe wherever was like 11 miles away so these things either blew there or washed there into the swamp and we just happened to be driving by and got them so you know that started us then uh in that town we actually got to that place hit that gas station found the found the news guy who gave us great information and then we were able to okay let's get set up and let's start looking for stuff to do to help these people man i think that that's awesome so there's a first off i'm sure the canoe place is going to hear this and they're going to be like i really appreciate you guys using that to save people you owe us $179.99 for the 14 hours that he's in the canoe. So they'll send the bill over there. We'll cover it. But, you know, the, the planning to plan thing, I think, is, again, it's, it's, it's so interesting not only for life but for business in general because people do get too caught up in that. But I also see the other side of it, whereas you can see, I hear the analogy a lot. I think it's just use it, actually, with when you're on the plane and they say, hey, you have to put your mask on first because you can't help anybody unless you help yourself. Where does that fit into it? Because there is also that side of it of, like, all right, do jumps in the, in the, in the swamp An alligator does get them or you guys drive down there. And now you realize we can't get gas. We can't get water. We don't have a place to stay. Like, where do you go from there? Like at what point is there a weight of like, we're doing stuff, but we do have to assess that if we don't look out for ourselves on some level, we're useless to everybody. And now instead of there being, you know, a village of people that are stuck or in a bad situation, there's a village. And now the four or five of you that need more help. So like, you know, where does that way out just to play devil's advocate for people who might talk themselves out of doing things because of that exact scenario? Yeah. So a couple of things on that. Number one, a lot of it is selecting the right team selecting people that aren't going to bend or break when something difficult happens, right? Surrounding yourself with the right people for whatever it is that you're trying to do, right? Uh, including anything in business, right? It could, could be anything, but taking the time to number one, know people that are going to be the right people when you need, when you need to put that team together. And then, you know, I, I obviously was kind of leading what was going on. I, I, these guys and their safety, I felt, was my responsibility, right? Um, we obviously were pretty well armed when we went there. Um, and we had we had our own food and our own water. And we, we had planned for that, that we, we don't want to be dependent on anyone else. Because then if something does happen to our supply, we, we then know when we have to make a move or when we have to, you know, if, if you're just thinking when it comes to that kind of stuff, especially water in that environment, I mean, it was 105 degrees there. This, this was Louisiana in August and we were, we were doing some pretty physical type stuff. Um, you know, we made sure we had high calorie food, a little bit of planning there and, and plenty of water in the truck. Um, so that it was, that was our supply that, that we needed. And we couldn't really compromise that, right? Because like you said, we could have handed out all of our water within an hour to people, but then, then where are we? We're useless, right? Or we get dehydrated. A guy goes down, a guy goes down with some kind of heat casualty issue. Now what? Now we're ineffective. We can't help anybody, right? We need to help that guy that's went down. So you do have to kind of prepare for that stuff. You know, um, but that's quite simple to do. You know, you're talking that's that's just bare bones, minimum life sustainment type stuff. And 
you know, we, so, so we started, we ran into the issue, like you said, with fuel, we had brought a lot of fuel with us and fuel cans and we start going out into the town. We start helping people. We start clearing roads for emergency vehicles because they couldn't, they couldn't access a bunch of roads. Uh, so we had a chainsaw and we were clearing roads and, and getting, you know, giant trees and everything out of the way. We uh, helped a couple people in their houses. Um, we did a lot of wellness checks, just making sure people were okay and all this kind of stuff. Um, and what happened was the town had this gas station and it kind of reminded me of, as days went by, it kind of reminded me of Mos Eisley Space Station in Star Wars. It was like the hub of everything and you had good people, bad people, desperate people. You had all kinds of people there because this was the only place to get fuel. Now, when we were there, we did not see FEMA. We did not see the Red Cross. We saw nothing. We saw nobody, right? There was private security there, like a lot of the car dealerships and big businesses um, hired security to protect their property, obviously, because they didn't want looting or anything like that. Um, the supermarkets, which were full of food, the, the um, pharmacies, Walgreens and all this, full of food, water and all this, they were all closed and boarded up. Oh, so, man. I mean, it was, it was very strange because there was no help there. And, and I remember, I'm like, we're the only guys here. Like, we're the only guys here, it seems, from the outside that are looking to help. There was, and I get it. We, we were there early. So I'm thinking maybe it'll just take time. We did see some of the National Guard there, um, but I'm thinking we're here early. FEMA will get here. The Red Cross will get here. I never saw it, right? And we were there the entire week, which goes into, you know, we'll get to that. But so we were trying, we were helping a lot of people. We helped us all. We were helping this family. They said, look, we don't need too much help. We, we all got together and, and we're getting everything sorted out. But if you go a quarter mile down the street, you'll see this little dirt road. This guy lives at the swamp at the end. It's like a mile and a half down. He's very old. He might need help. So we go down to see that guy. And he's actually standing out by the road. There was like a veterinary clinic there. And he had parked his vehicles there so he could get to the road. And so we see him. We start talking to him. Now, there was no road, though. It was underwater, like three feet underwater. So this old guy, he was 75 years old. He had walked a mile and a half through three feet of water to get to his vehicles, was going to drive and try and find fuel to fuel his generator and walk the fuel back the mile and a half through the three feet of water to get back to his house. And we told him, we said, man, you need to get out of here because the, the media guy told us that. He said, look, the people that you're working with, try and get them out. Try and get them to leave and go anywhere else because there's no life-sustaining, you know, supplies or services for these people right now and so we tried to tell this guy he's like no my my daughter and granddaughter are, are and granddaughters are back at the house and the house is under three feet of water and we're like man come on you know and there's there's snakes and alligators and i mean it's just dangerous obviously though at that time the water levels were still rising so but you run into these old timers and they were just you know they were not interested in leaving so then it's just okay how can we help you you know, I, I get it. You're not going to leave. I'm not going to sit here and twist your arm. What do you need? Let's go. And so, you know, we helped out a lot of guys like that. As a couple of days went by, we start realizing, 
you know, oh, and here's another thing we did when it comes to planning. The outskirts of town, we found like an old medical, not old, but we found a, an abandoned medical building. It was like a kidney dialysis place. And it was on the outskirts of town. And we lit, we stayed there and we just slept on the concrete, right? They had like an awning at the front door and we just slept on the concrete and, and by the trucks and everything. And the reason we did that was it, it was outside the town. So anytime we wanted to do something, we had to punch in and punch out, right? But the reason we did that was because we had a truck full of supplies. If we would have just stayed close to everything in the town, you don't know what could happen. These people are desperate. They could come up on you and want to, you know, get your water, get your tools, get whatever it is. You, they don't know, right? I mean, they're desperate and they're literally struggling to survive, you know. And so my thought was, let's stay on the outside where nobody can get to us. There was only one entrance in. And if anybody comes to where we were, how we had it set up, you definitely were coming to to interact with us somehow, whether it was positively or negatively. <laughs> there was no way you were coming in there for any other reason than to see us. And and that really helped because, you know, we did keep watch. We had all this stuff, but we were safe there, right? Because the last thing you want to do in a, in a situation, we were there to help. We weren't there to be part of any problem, right? So, and when we definitely weren't there to cause a problem for ourselves. So when, when you talk about planning, it's not so much planning what we're going to do. It's more planning to enable us to do what we're trying to do, if that makes sense. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, 2020 is coming to an end. Let's start 2021 off on a good note by getting you into some real estate, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced. Any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale, and fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's crazy. So a couple of things there. One, it, it, that really is like the stereotype when you watch these zombie, zombie movies or end of the world movies where they're, they're kind of walking through and then they find the one old timer that's like, you know, I'm going out on my shield and like, that's real. That's so crazy. That there's actually that guy that that's like, you know, literally over my dead body is how you're going to take me out of here. So I think, you know, having the wherewithal for, like you said, you just, how do we help you? We can't save anybody is, is, is very interesting. And I like the tactical plan on that as well. You yeah. know, I, I, Oh, good. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I just, I think it's uh you know, I think it's very eye-opening when you, you look at that and you see, because I, I watched you guys post some videos walking through one of the towns and just kind of yelling out, like, anybody need help? Anybody in here? You're like, wellness check. And then I saw a bunch of videos where I'm assuming it was that same gas station where you guys kind of had like your truck and there was just a line of cars with people waiting yeah. for fuel. And like you said, I, I didn't think about when people know that that's where the quote unquote gold is. It's going to bring in the cowboys. It's going to bring in the Indians. It's going to bring in the cops yeah. and it's going to bring in the robbers. You know, so yeah. it almost does become like, uh, like you said, like that bar in, in Star Wars. So on that side of it, you know, I, I would assume that your instincts as a group 
have a pretty good sense of when people walk up or the people that kind of keep an eye on or stay around or when to kind of pack it up because there is a sense of like, this isn't worth, this isn't what we're here for. So let's steer clear of that. What yeah. kind of things did you guys run into? Was there, yeah, I wouldn't even thought of that. Like the water level's higher now. So there's going to be all these snakes and crocodiles and things like that, 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 that turned up. Was there any things like that, that you guys ran into as far as like fires you had to put out as far as maybe some rambunctious people or people that got crazy within their own groups of just out of desperation or, you know, did you have to put any rear naked chokes on any crocodiles or anything crazy like that? Yeah. So, so that, remember this was still early days. So a couple of days in, we start to notice that, Hey, we're running out of fuel. Right. And so at the end of the day, and we're running around helping people, right. We were, uh, you know, we, we had helped an old disabled couple that were, um, stuck in their house and the roof started caving in and they and they had like a giant tree that was smashing the roof and their house was not stable and we said to them hey you know do you have a place to go and they're like look at us man we're old and disabled and and we can't go anywhere so we decided that we were going to cut the the tree off their house now look how much of a lumberjack you think i am right well the beard makes me think maybe <laughs> yeah <laughs> You know, and I get it. There's a, there's a lot to think about. And, and, and I don't know anything about that kind of stuff, structural design, but I know a giant tree like this falling on a house causes a lot of issues and you can't just hack at it to get it off. Right. So we decided to cut it into sections. Now it's above our heads. You're holding the chainsaw above the head, standing on a ladder. And we were cutting off a thousand to 1200 pound chunks of this tree. And of course, we have gravity on this planet. The tree falls straight down. And, and basically, you're standing on a ladder right next to the tree. So that got pretty dangerous. Um, but look, again, it, that just comes down to the, I don't know how to do this. But what I do know is they were sitting in their house last night and the roof started caving in. So we need to try and get this tree off of here. And I don't know how to do it. None of us knew how to do it, but we figured it out and got it done, right? So we're doing this kind of stuff. One guy was trapped in his house. We had to cut him out of his house to get him out. Um, but, but it got to the point where we said, look, we're running out of fuel. So in the evening, let's go to the gas station, wait in the gas line. And like you said on those pictures, it's round like a whole block. We'll wait in the gas line and see if we can get gas. We don't need to get gas this day, but if we can get it, it will be perfect. So we sat there for like three hours and they closed the gas station. So we go back to our spot where we were camped out and we said, look, tomorrow morning, we have to get gas. If we cannot get gas, we have to leave because then we're going to be stuck. Because here's the thing. There was no fuel coming in at this time. There was nothing coming in or out of this place. Right. So we went there first thing in the morning. We actually were there. We actually got there at the middle of the night because we wanted to be right in the front to get the fuel. And, you know, that. It was crazy. Three in the morning at this place, and it, there were zombies and strange characters walking around. And, you know, somebody did come up to the truck. And, you know, we have ways how we take care of that kind of stuff. And turned out he said he just was looking to see if we had a phone charger. Um, <laughs> but we look, you know, I, I think once he rolled up on the truck, he realized, like, okay, these are not the guys to, these, you know, if he was planning anything more sinister than asking for a phone charger he quickly changed his mind um on that you know but i mean those situations are 
we were expecting that. We're prepared for that. We're, you know, we knew where we were and we knew what was going on. Well, that next morning, they closed the gas station. They said, nobody's getting fuel. They don't have any fuel. So we had to leave. So, and, and, the, and the next place to get fuel was like 100, 160 miles away was the, the, the next place to get fuel. So we had to leave, right? Otherwise, we would have got stuck. So we leave and we come home. Uh, this was like midweek now. We come home. And we got home, I remember, we drove all night. We got home at like uh, six in the morning. And I remember by noon, you know, I, at this point, we had helped a lot of people. But as the week went on, Nick, we saw that these people are running out of food and they're running out of water. If, if you're planning on sticking out the hurricane, sure, you're going to make sure you have some extra food and extra water and all this. You know, but what ends up happening is when the hurricane hits, maybe some of your food gets spoiled. Maybe some of the water gets spoiled or, you know, the, the bottles get broken. You don't have as much as you think you have, obviously. And, and I said, and we got, we started to see kind of that desperation, especially when we were at that gas station, right? Um, and so we got home at 6 a.m. By noon, we had a plan to go back. And the second time going back, we added another truck and we rented, uh, our plan was to rent U-Hauls and hit, as you're going down I-55 from Chicago down to the New Orleans area to Louisiana, we were just going to hit Walmarts and raid Walmarts. We were going to get as much food and water as we could get and take it down and set up. Our plan was to go back to that gas station, that most Eisley gas station, and set up a food distribution point because we hadn't seen any food distribution points. Again, no FEMA, no Red Cross, nothing. And so that's what we did. We, uh, we couldn't get any U-Hauls in our area. So we just hopped in the trucks and started heading south. And, you know, again, what are we going to do? We're going to sit around our Chicago area waiting for U-Hauls to open up. No, you get in the truck, you head south. And we were contacting every U-Haul place on the way down there trying to get two. And, and so we got them. And then we start going to the Walmart. And, you know, I, I walked into a Walmart. I said, look, I need your manager. And, you know, oh, well, what's going on? What's going on? I said, look, we just need this. We need access to, to pallets of water and stuff. They're like, oh, we have cases of water. You can buy I said, look, you're talking. I'm talking pallets. Like, we're, <laughs> you need to get on my level here, right? And so, so you know, the Walmart staff and, and, the, and all the Walmarts that we, because we were, we cleared out Walmarts. We cleared out all their water. We cleared out all that. We decided, we were like, now what food can we get, right? Because obviously you're thinking, let's get water, let's get food. But then you go, okay, well, what is food? What, what can we take to the disaster area? And we decided on those Chef Boyardee pool, pool tab meals, right? Ravioli and beefaroni and all these different things, spaghetti, meatballs and all this. So we decided on those because they were cheap and easy to open. You don't need to heat them, right? You just... You just eat them right out the can. So we raided the Walmart for all of them. Uh, and then we, I mean, we were in, again, this was all just on my credit card, right? We were going to Walmart and it was locking up my credit card. I, I made oh, that one yeah. because we were hitting item limits. We were hitting store dollar limits. Like they have all this stuff, right? And then, you know, we're going down and everyone's looking at us like, what are you guys doing? You know, like you're <laughs> tons of stuff and i'm on the phone to somebody in like malaysia somewhere just trying to tell them like unlock my credit card like i'm i'm going to be going up and down 
the country buying stuff because it looked like I was a criminal. We're going down the highway, stopping. We stopped in three different states to get Walmarts. And it looks like we're just going down, like a, like a criminal would do, right? Yeah. Like we're just down and hitting these different Walmarts and all this. And my, I said, look, we can talk about this later. But un- I'm screaming at them in the parking lot, like unlock my card, you know? Um, so we got that done and we got down there. And, you know, obviously that had some risk too, right? Because we're now sitting there with two U-Hauls full of food and two trucks full of supplies. And we're in this area that's pretty hot. And, and I mean, hot temperature wise and hot, you know, kind of stress wise as well. And uh, so we set up at that gas station. They, they had got gas by this point at the gas station again. And so obviously there was a mad rush on the gas station. They had some things in place where the, like one guy was letting people only in at one area. So we set up next to him and, and, you know, as people were coming in to get gas, we were giving them cases of food and cases of water. And, you know, we fed, we fed over a thousand people that day. We were, we did the distribution point for, I think it was like eight hours, nine hours straight of straight. I mean, as fast as you could walk back to the truck to grab another case of this or a few cans of that, and then walk it back out to a vehicle, it was it was nonstop. I mean, it was nonstop. I mean, you've seen some of the picture. That was a hard day's work. It was, it was, uh, it was rough. And then, you know, people were so relieved and so grateful. I mean, people were just, you know, people were like, "Well, who are you guys?" We're like, "Oh, we're just us." Like, <laughs> you know, why why are you here? And we're like, "We just came to visit you." You know, like people were asking us, "Are you FEMA?" And we're like, "No, we're not FEMA." You know, as they, they had absolutely nothing. And this was towards the end of the week. And, you know, we had, uh, you know, you'd ask people, hey, how many people are in your household? They're like 11. And you're like, when was it? Oh, we haven't eaten since Tuesday. And this is like Saturday or something, you know, and and that's fine. I mean, look, I, I go days without eating when I'm fasting and all this. But look, if I had four kids in the house that haven't eaten since the beginning of the week and it's the weekend, oh, it's, it was a nightmare. And, you know, some of the stories we heard from people, it was, it was pretty life-changing. It was pretty crazy, but we were able to, sorry, you can hear my dog scratching. (laughs) Uh, You know, it was, it was just crazy to hear their stories, to give them some encouragement, to give them some food and water, right? You could, you could just see people's day lift and then they were able to get gas as well. Um, But then again, before we left, so that second trip, we were there basically just for like a day. 24 hours because we drove the 15 hours to get there set up and immediately started distributing in the morning and we're there and then we punched out at night and then you know you want to talk about a security issue we had been there for that whole day handing out food well there's going to come a time where we don't have any more bottles of water we don't have any more cans of food and we have to leave right oh shit yeah so i said i said look when we get down to the end here Everything needs to be closed up and we need to be ready to punch, like to get out of here. We're not hanging out. We're not staying and talking to anybody, which would have been kind of cool. And it would have been cool to kind of take a moment and, and, and really kind of think about what we, what the guys were able to accomplish that day. Right. Um, Because it was an incredible thing that, that, that happened that day, but it was like, nope. We have to get as soon as that last thing goes, everything else gets closed up and we're out. And 
we actually did run into some people that were, you know, coming after the, the last car that we fed and they were pretty angry that we didn't have any more food or water. And, you know, what do you want me to do, man? You know, I mean, the trucks can only take so much. We, you know, so that could have got ugly. But we, again, you make that little plan just to, just to avoid something from happening, right? You're trying to mitigate as much risk as you can. Obviously, we don't want us getting injured, whether it's by vehicles or trees or anything like that. So having those little mitigations allow you to do so much more, right? Where if you're just winging it and something happens, well, now you have a whole other problem on your hands. Not only are you not able to do what you're supposed to do, like we talked about, but now you have a whole other problem that you have to deal with. So, you know, and, and then after that, we, when we got home, I, I kind of started to realize, I said, look, I'm lucky enough to know some pretty capable people that will do anything, right? We'll do anything. We'll put themselves in hard, harm's way. We'll have no problem taking days away from their family to help someone else out. Um, and I, I decided we we're going to start doing like a humanitarian type quick reaction team for like, you know, crisis type stuff like this. Um, and so we're in the process of putting that together. We also have worked, uh, with, the, the Afghan refugees up at, um, the military base in Wisconsin there, there's 14,000 Afghans up there. Uh, we went up there and did like a, we collected a bunch of clothes and toys and daily supplies. And they're just up there living in, I mean, for lack of a better word, a camp uh, waiting to be processed so that they can be, you know, so that they can live here. These are all people that served with the military or served with the government uh, during the Afghan war. And we went up there and we were able to connect with the army and, and work up there a weekend and, and see what was going on up there uh we're working on some language um training for the people up there and have some other stuff going so we're running everything right now through our other company that does uh training for law enforcement and military called five by five mission ready but we're in the process of creating a nonprofit 501c3 type foundation to take over all of the humanitarian stuff that we're looking at doing Man, I think that's awesome. That was going to be my follow-up question. I didn't know if this was a separate entity to what you guys are doing with Five by Five, but you're like freaking Captain America, dude. You're, you know, you're yeah, training my people wife, and helping people every day, man. So I'm turning 40 next year, and my wife says, "Ah, oh, this must be your midlife crisis." And <laughs> I said, "Hey, you know, most people go out and they buy themselves a Corvette." Uh, I said, "If this is what I do, run around trying to save the world, you know, for the with the rest of my life, then." sign me up right now i think that that's awesome and what you're doing is commendable and, and I'm, I'm really happy to know you man you're you're really like you check all the boxes for just a, a good human you know you you're selfless but you teach yourself how to help yourself you you train your dogs you train people you train police you help people in crisis and i i just think that that's an awesome place and again you know matt sarah is always saying water finds its own level and i've always said the only cool thing about me is the people that i meet so i appreciate you always coming on and always sharing your stories and uh and just what you everything you're doing man so talk about how how do people, if they want to figure out how to help with this, how to donate to this, maybe how to start some sort of chapters and where they are, or like, what's the big picture? How can we help get the word out? How can we help contribute? Yeah. So, so right now, um, you know, it, it's, we realized on that GoFundMe, um, 
the GoFundMe was incredible, right? Um, we and, and that was the thing. We're doing all this work and we're trying to raise funds because it it took just just under ten thousand dollars to do what we did for that week. Um, it, 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 it takes a lot of money to do this kind of stuff. And we were so happy and lucky and grateful that everybody helped us. But obviously you can't, you can't ask that of people all the time. So that, that's why we decided to kind of go big with it and, and make, you know, uh, a 501c3 type nonprofit where people can donate and obviously get the tax break. We had some major corporations and companies that wanted to help us, but they were like, well, we can't part of our corporate structure. We cannot give to groups that aren't 501c3 for, for their, for their reasons. It doesn't make them shit bags. It's just how they're structured. Right. So that that's part of the reason why we've decided to go this way. Right now, all that is in, in process. It's still very early days for us setting that up, um, but it's in the works. It's going to come. When that happens, you know, maybe I'll have you put it out or something or whatever. I'll come back on for 10 minutes and we can talk about it. But there will be a way to donate there. If you're interested in working with us and being on the team to go and do some of this stuff, whether it's working with the Afghans or working uh, for our crisis type stuff with natural disasters and all this you know you can contact me on instagram or um uh email me uh you know get a hold of me on instagram it's at mark turner bjj and we can go from there we will only accept uh former special operators and certain military veteran type people it's you know i get it everybody wants to help out everybody would love to have their feet on the ground but the stuff that we do and the stuff that we're planning on doing kind of requires more than just a full-hearted volunteer. We need somebody that, we need people that can actually do physically and mentally some of the stuff we did when we were there. I mean, that whole week, Nick, from, from basically the Monday through the Sunday when we got home, right? I slept eight and a half hours the entire week. And goodness knows how many calories we were partnering. <laughs> no, I mean, and so it just, just that level alone. And, and, you know, if you're out there with us on the team, you know, at that point, it was only four of us. It was four of us. You can't go down, right? You can't go down because now there's only three of us. So we need, we need that level of, of person to get stuff done. Um, you know, if you want to help other ways, of course, there are other ways uh, to help and as we continue to grow this thing we'll need that kind of help as well but as far as like the boots on the ground type people if you are former military and especially former special operator that wants to get involved um get a hold of me because we will definitely use you the more people we have the more things we can do so um you know feel free there with that we are working on some different things to connect and, and work with different government agencies. Uh, we're already working with uh, different non-government agencies. So I'm just trying to grow it. I'm still learning. I don't know how to do any of this. I just knew that we could get in trucks and go down to Louisiana and help people. Um, and, and that's kind of kicked this off. I don't know how to organize this stuff. I've never been involved in anything like this. Um, so we're kind of learning as we go. And um, you know, we must be doing something right because everything's kind of ticking along and, and it's doing well. So we're just going to keep going. Um, 
I'll get more information. I think the GoFundMe is still open for the uh, for the Louisiana thing, but I will say this: we don't need any more money for that Louisiana trip. Anything else that subsequently does come to that GoFundMe, we will just keep for the next thing that we do. Um, you know, I get it. GoFundMe is not the best way to to do that, but that's kind of all we have right now. Um, you know, and, and again, I don't want you sending me checks for this kind of stuff. Yeah. We'll we'll have we'll have a way to do all that once uh, the nonprofit gets established and and sorted. So, um, hang tight on that. Right now, we are just we've already been working with the Afghans and and, and the military and and the Department of Homeland Security, State Department, with uh, some of the NGOs that are running the whole Afghan thing. We're gonna continue to work with them. Uh, we're looking at going back up there next week um, and doing some stuff. And then, yeah, we'll just, our, our goal is to be, whenever something pops up, to be that quick, fast reaction kind of team that can get stuff done right away. What I'm noticing is it takes people a long time to mobilize and to actually get stuff done when these things happen. It was. The FEMA thing and the Red Cross thing was was kind of strange because when we told people, hey, they're not here, they're literally not here, people couldn't believe that. I, I think, you know, our thought is when a disaster happens, these groups are there and, and they're not. I mean, at least they weren't in this place. And this place was, this, this place called Laplace was the worst hit place for Hurricane Ida. And, you know, we, we were at. <laughs> we were at and if and if we're at you know the place is in trouble <laughs> yeah. so um you know it, that was kind of disappointing and i get it right now we have a team of uh, or we had teams of four guys you know four to six guys we have right now um i definitely would like to grow that to where, to where we have many teams that can do many things um you know we're looking at actually getting a boat that can get us into some of these flooding type areas um, and, and make an impact there. We're, we're looking at doing a lot of things to where we can just, we can just go, we can just go and get stuff done. And, and again, the, the type of people, the guys, I can't say enough about the guys, what they did and kind of what I asked of them was tough. And, and they did it with no complaints. They did it with a smile on their face and, you know, they worked their backsides off with little food, hot days, long days, and no sleep. So um, it, it's pretty incredible. That's amazing, man. And I will put show notes for all the stuff to link up to you and to link up to your, all your entities and everything obviously in here. And I'll keep that updated as your stuff comes along. You know, again, anybody that uh, listens to this, that has an in for Tim Kennedy, have Tim Kennedy, or maybe a Jocko, the guy who I like to not use his name on the podcast for personal reasons, but, uh, you know, I like, well, I know Weidman does the monster thing with them. So I think there's some good connections with a lot of other guys that are associated not only through the business community, but through the jujitsu community that this will come across them, that they could definitely reach out to you and find ways to team it up. So um, definitely check the show notes to reach out to Mark directly. I know you're pretty good about your messages on Instagram and all the stuff that's going on, whether it's law enforcement, jujitsu, military, any of those things, like definitely reach out and try and build this. Cause I think that the more, the more kind of teams you can put together across the country and the more context you can make, the easier it is. You know, if you can't get somewhere, you have somebody there. There's just, there's a lot of cool things and symmetries I can see for this building out. Right. Yeah. And that, that's the plan. I mean, you know, 
it's one of those things, you know, I've had a lot of training I've had a lot of life experience with my military career and, and so have so many guys. And, you know, very early on in my military career, the war started, right? Like I was in the military before the war started. And, and so we have this group now of veterans that have been through a lot and are still highly capable. And, you know, stuff happens in this country where, sure, it's not running and gunning and, and taking out bad guys, but that's not what makes these kind of people so special. What makes those guys special is their ability to get stuff done, right? Especially in times and in situations where other people can't. So this is a way not only to help a lot of people, but to, but to use a lot of people's talents that, you know, quite frankly, I thought some of these skills or abilities or whatever you want to call them attributes that I had there's kind of not a place for them in the world if you're just out in the normal world there's not really a place this kind of thing gives an outlet for those kind of abilities and and the end result is helping a lot of people very quickly and and to to, to quite an extent so um I just see that you know, and I do know a lot of people in the community and in the, in the uh, special operations community. And, and I see kind of that, that loss that they have of, all right, well, I guess I used to be that guy, right? Well, it's like, no, you are that guy. You just need an outlet for it. And at one point, the outlet for it maybe included having a gun in your hand, but now those same skills can be used elsewhere. And, you know, it's a great thing to do. I thought, you know, I had a, a blast doing it. I have a blast doing it because you really see the impact on people that, uh, that you're helping, whether it's this Afghan stuff we're doing now or the, uh, you know, with the Save Our Allies guys and all that and the Independence Fund and Mighty Oaks, we're working with them. Um, or obviously the hurricane stuff. That was, that's something I'll never forget. I'll never forget that, you know, and, and uh, I hope I never have to do it again. I hope there never is another hurricane that destroys people's lives like that. But um, if there is, I know that I can be there and I can, I can do something to help, you know? Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan Lamagna. Dan Lamagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real Mackenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He's played all over the world and he's also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. That's awesome, man. And I think, again, like you said, if you look at both sides of it, not only are you guys helping people, but there's probably so many military guys out there that have lost their sense of identity. And this gives them a chance to maybe, again, maybe you're not holding a gun, maybe you're holding a bottle of water, but you get that same payoff and that same, you know, that same reaction for doing something for the greater good. So I think what you're doing is a service, not only for people, but for veterans alike. So I'll definitely clip this and put it out there. So, you know, they're looking for a place to put that skill that it's not, uh, you know, I see sometimes they use that 
and it turns to destructive things. So I think that there's a huge need, especially everything with everything going on in the world right now for the guys that are capable of doing those things to have an outlet to be able to do it for good, not evil. So I commend that effort for sure. Thank you. And again, thanks for all your support. You know, I mean, during that Louisiana thing, you know, you were incredible at, at getting the word out. And then, you know, also your contribution was absolutely amazing. And, and, you know, it's just, it's great to obviously know you and, you know, not only am I your podcast guest for the third time, but we're, we're friends and I appreciate that. And I love you for that as well. And, uh, you know, just thanks for having me. Dude, anytime you are, you are a welcome, open guest, open invite. Anytime you got anything going on, I always like talking to you. I always like catching up on you. And, and the final thing here, let's take a, a positive note. Let's just retouch on, we had a freaking awesome weekend with the one and only Brian, the kid Callen out in Chicago uh, came in. I think you, I'm pretty sure whatever his next special is, is going to have like 10, 15 minutes of a Scottish impersonation of you. He was picking it up by, by halfway through the second show. He was literally out in the parking lot, just doing impressions of you yelling with a Scottish accent. It was great, but uh, that was really cool. So thanks to you and Vlad for definitely uh, coming along and making that fun, man. That was a gr great weekend. And uh, you know, that, that was just an awesome time. That was a, no, a hey. trip for myself as well, man. It's been a while since I was a human. Yeah, no, and and that's what's funny is we talked about that with not only is Brian an incredible guy, right? And and I mean, man, he that was the first time I you know I had met him and and he's sitting down at dinner. It's like it's like I've known the guy twenty years. And then, um, you know, you and I had talked, and it's like we talk a lot. We we talk to each other on text and on the phone a lot. But it was like that was the first time I had seen you in forever. Yeah, yeah. So, but no, that was a great weekend. Thanks for the invite on that Definitely. one. And so we were saying after it needed to be the right group of guys and it worked out really well. And it, it was interesting because, you know, we sat down with Brian, like we were just having another dinner with him that we've had every week for 10 years. So, you know, it yeah. said something about him. And, dude, you want to talk about talent, man. Like, you know, we, I've talked to obviously to a lot of comedians on this show and I, just people in general, and I'm always talking about how they have to, for them to come up with their one hour and then have to scrap the whole thing and start again. We went to two shows in a row and I expect them to literally do almost the same thing two shows in a row. And uh, by the second one, when I asked him, I was like, you know, I didn't notice this the first time. I didn't notice this the first time. And then he completely changed the entire close. Didn't even do the same sketch, the same topic, nothing. And we were like, dude, you almost did basically like two different shows. And he's like, well, I didn't want you guys to see the same thing twice. To be able to do that, I thought was freaking incredible. And it was like on a fly. You know, there was no planning for that. He didn't realize we were coming to both shows. We met for dinner, which he almost missed the second show. But uh, man, I just yeah. thought that that was talent. Uh, It'd be funny both times. I was like, both of those shows were freaking awesome. It was great. Yeah. I mean, and we talked about it before. I said, look, I'm, I'm interested to see that. I've never seen a guy. Do, I've never seen somebody's act at both shows before. And I was interested to see the technicality of how that's done. Like from, you know, from a very technical side, I don't know too much about comedy. I appreciate it. Um, but I thought that was fascinating. And then, yeah, I had to run it up just to get him back for the second show. Yeah, yeah that's funny. <laughs> like, just picking up his show. I'm supposed to be on stage. I was like, get back there, man. But, you know, yeah, another yeah. another thing he said that I thought was really interesting was, um, you know, we started talking about jujitsu and stuff like that. And I hear him say it all the time. Like, how do you think this person would do with that person? How do you think this person would do with that person? And, you know, my judgment was a little impaired by after the second show. But I do remember him saying like, hey, how do you think you do it, Shab? And I was like, ah. you know, like, how do you answer this? Because first off, I'm not unrealistic. But second off, I think like 
you know, any, any guy at some point, especially anybody who's training, you have to, on some level, think you have a shot of beating anybody, whether it's, you think it's going to be easy or not. So I was like, well, I don't want to answer this question and just be like, he'd kill me. I'm a little bitch. It's like, no, you know, I am a black belt and I have four. And I'd like to think like, I stand. So I was just like, you know, I was like, I don't know how well it would go for me, but I would love the opportunity to roll with him to see how it would go and just, you know, kind of figure it out from there. And then he was like, okay, you know, cause I'm like, you know, he's a big dude, but he's also yeah. a big dude. That's a, a 1% professional athlete. So oh, yeah. that's, that's different than being a big dude. He's a big, strong freaking dude, pro yes. fighter and jujitsu black belt. So it's like, even if you line up to like, Hey, me and him both have boxing experience. We both have jujitsu experience, but he's also 140 pounds heavier than me yeah. and a professional athlete. Probably not going to be great for me when you say that like that. But then he right. was like, how do you think Mark would do with him? And I'm like, that I'd like to see, you know? <laughs> so I told him, I said, I wouldn't run from him. <laughs> <laughs> It's just crazy. You know, you think about it. So, you know, it, it puts it on perspective because I look at everything in life now is, you know, there's black belts and then there's black belts. And he showed that with the comedy. It's like, there's funny guys, but then there's professional comedians. And then there's guys like that, that are on that level that with no warning can completely switch up his show and not miss a beat. You know, it's the same thing. Like, you know, obviously on the jujitsu side of it, it's like, man, there's black belts and there's black belts and you know, they're, they're not all created equal, man. And I just, to me, like everything I see in business is when I go to these meetings and I come from the thing I just came from and I'm like, you know, I, I've gotten so humbled in life and on the mats and off the mats and in business by being around people that are just so much better and so doing so many things. And you at some point have to take that and either look at it and go, I'm never going to be that good or get inspired by it and be like, I'm going to work my ass off to be to that point. And, you know, I feel like that's kind of what you do with everything. And I kind of sums up what you did with this is, you know, you don't, you don't know it all, but you're getting out there and you're figuring out. And I feel like from doing things like this, there will be the guys that are the black belts in the logistical of putting those things together and cutting down trees. And they're going to gravitate towards what you're doing. And I think it's, it's going to, it's going to grow into something amazing, man. So I appreciate it. I appreciated sharing this time with you as always. Thank you for coming on. Is there any final thoughts before we let you go about your day? No, man, just uh, thank you. And, and, you know, I, we've talked about it before. My life has been, is incredible, right? I'm from a very small, poor area in a country that's kind of jacked up <laughs> right now uh, in Scotland. And, and to be able to have the life I, I, I live is, it's incredible. So as much as I can fit into the time I have here, I'm trying to do, and you know, there's, there's more to life than just the one thing that you think you are, or, or the one thing that everyone else thinks you should be right. Get out there you know, open yourself up, take risk, um, think, right? Think and, and, and be mindful of what it is you can do and get out there and do it because life is way too short. I love that, man. You are a stud. You always bring your A game. I appreciate you coming on. And I, again, can't wait for you to come to New York and train with Matt Sarah and Ray Longo, man. So we got to get that going on soon. Definitely. Thanks, brother. Definitely. Mark Turner, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great day.